0: Good morning. good morning. Thank you, Nathan.
1: How many of you remember the day the Lord told you something about your future or gave you a calling on your life? Anybody here? You don't have to say what it is. Uh, anybody want to share? Anyone? No one? No, nobody? Go ahead, Dave. What, what did God tell you? Yeah. Just right from there is good. Amen, amen. If you don't know, Dave, uh, this month at District Council, and is it two weeks from now? Or three weeks from now? Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, it is two weeks. Well, uh, two weeks from today, uh, not today, but Tuesday night, and y'all are invited. He'll be licensed in the assemblies. Yeah, at, at uh, Calvary Church in Naperville, seven p.m. service. You should mark your calendars. Come on out, support them. Um, Anybody else that day? Anybody? No? All right. I remember I was probably nine or ten years old. I don't remember which day of the week it was. I think it was a Sunday. And uh, I didn't know the whole call. It was somewhere shortly after I gave my life to the Lord. And the Lord just hit me I'm called to preach. I'm called to preach. I didn't know what that was gonna be. I don't know what I was gonna do. Some of you are like, keep working on it. But I remember, like I remember vividly, I remember going up to my youth leaders at 12 years old for my junior high group saying, can I preach? (laughs) They made me wait a while. They're like, ah, they have never had before or since me a junior higher walk up to them and say, so uh, why don't you give me the podium for a little bit? There's not too many 12-year-old boys saying, I'm ready to go. And I remember that night, I remember that eventually they were so sweet. They eventually were like, okay, we'll do it. Now, this is back in the day where you didn't have to have a good program. Um, and so they would, we would do like gym time and then come back up. And they would teach junior higher middle schoolers for 45 minutes. If you don't know, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> But that's all we knew back then. And strangely, there were more of us in church than there are today. So maybe it did work. I don't know. But I do remember they're like, we'll give you 20 minutes. And it was like, so half the time. And I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> um, and so, so what I did, uh, I remember walking out the door for youth group that night. And I was like, oh, I should probably have a scripture. <laughs> Not really living up to the model at that point. <laughs> Uh, or the call, and yet God's a merciful, loving God. I found a verse on the fire of the Lord coming down. I gave a message, I gave an unauthorized altar call, <laughs> and several kids came to Christ, and several kids gave their, rededicated their lives, and I was like, all right. And I remember 30 years later, you know, those youth leaders would come up to me like, I remember that message. Man, I don't even remember that message. You know, it was more transformational for you. But those moments you're called and the standard is set on your life, it sets you in a trajectory. And a lot of people, yeah, people fall away. People struggle with it. People run from it. I wasn't one of those people. I, I was a lot like Peter. You yeah, I, I felt more like the outcast. I had nowhere else to go. When, when the crowd leaves Jesus and Jesus looks at the disciples... Are you going to go too? And Peter's like, where else are we going to go? Peter's like, I'm not with the cool kids, you know, so this is it for me. I'm with you. You know, I'm not with the popular crowd. I'm with you, Jesus. And so that was my life. Not I'm not going to say I haven't struggled and stumbled. Of course I have. Uh, or ran or resisted God's call. I, I resisted being a lead pastor for a long time. Um, and, and when God, when f- God finally shoved me into it. It was like, obey or die. And I was like, all right, I'm in, Lord, I'm in. And, and the moment of the ascension, when Jesus goes into heaven, I believe is kind of like that moment. People are fascinated and enamored with Jesus flying. <laughs> it's not about the flying at all. So if you have your Bibles, in Acts chapter 1, Luke continues the story that he started in the gospel of Luke. Originally, Luke and Acts were one book. They were separated, so basically we could understand and categorize it a little more. But he continues in this letter to a guy named Theophilus, and he says, hey, I've investigated all this. Luke was a doctor in his time. He wasn't Jewish, an educated man, and he investigated the story of Christ to the point where he was like, I believe and became a believer. But he didn't just investigate the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. He also investigated the church. And he records it. And before the church is fully established on the day of Pentecost, he shares this story, starting in verse 6, about the ascension. So when the, the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Okay, full stop, right there. They still don't get it. All right, Lord, you rose from the dead, so when are we going to war? Because <laughs> I got my AR-15 ready to rock. <laughs> I'm set, Lord. My basement's stocked up with canned goods, and we are ready to go. Jesus is like, no, that's not what we're doing. Still, he's literally about to leave them, and they're like, all right, God, so when is this happening? They've seen, they begin to understand, like, this is maybe not entirely what we thought it was going to be, but it's still going to be that, right? And it's not that at all. They are politically minded. And you can't blame them. You can't be like, they're so stupid. Oh, you should never be political, etc. No, they live in times, this is how they understood it. This is how they understood the Messiah to come. And this is how all the Messiahs of the past, not Savior Messiahs, but Messiahs as in saviors of the people locally or geopolitically came. This is how David came. This is how it came about In the intertestamental time with Maccabeus and and fighting against and fighting against and revolting, which is how we get Hanukkah and and things like that. This is how it all happened before. So, this is how you're going to do it again, right? But Jesus is here to do a brand new thing. It's going to get He replies, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. Just so you know, the Lord is going to restore his kingdom. He is coming back. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And the Lord is pretty pro-Israel. If you don't know, we're pretty pro-Israel. I got very blessed. My wife and I are being uh, being invited to. Uh, anybody heard of uh, Christians United for Israel? Uh, it's, it started by John Hagee, her and I are going to fly out in July for just a couple of days um, and, and they're flying us out to sit under some world leaders to tell us about Christians United for Israel because God loves his people. Now God opened it up, if you're not, excuse me, if you're not Jewish and you're here, welcome, we're the adopted ones, they're the original sons, whether they've strayed or they're prodigals or not, God loves his people. I don't know about you, but if I ever had a kid who was a prodigal, I wouldn't disown them. I'd long for them to come home. And I'd always have a heart for them. God has a heart for Israel. Okay? Weird anti-Semitic people think, oh, Jewish people they're off in there, you know, they're trying to control the world. That's crazy nonsense and anti-Semitic. What I would tell you is everywhere Jewish people go, they're blessed. Why? Because the sovereign God is on his people. And he loves them. And he's for them. So he blesses them wherever they go. Which is why they're awesome at whatever they do. The truth is the nation of Israel should not exist. It's the size of like Rhode Island surrounded by horrible enemies, and they're a superpower. How does that work? God. Read in Revelation, you'll talk about the restoration of Israel. That never could have happened till post-World War II. And the world decides hey, Palestinians and others who's taken over this land, you're out. These people have been tortured, left for dead for thousands of years, and just recently several million of them were killed, We're giving them back their land. How does that happen? God, the one who orders the days, <laughs> and who knows what's going to happen. It's in Revelation. It's right there. Now, it doesn't mention the League of Nations, uh, but it didn't have to. We knew. So these things are happening. So we're going to go out, and then they're going to set up meetings for Angie and I to meet with our senators and, and congressman from Illinois, national, not state, to advocate for Israel. I'm excited about it. God is pro-Israel. He's going to restore Israel. He's on that side. If you're not, adjust your heart. You're wrong. Okay, now that doesn't mean there's not political things that are wrong and right, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we know. But God's pro-Israel because those are his people. If you're not... Get on board. That's not what this message is about, but just a diversion. All right, moving back. All right, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And this is what we're focusing on today. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. First thing there, why are you staring? They are like, Where where are you going? Where would you go? I still see him. No, if you turn your head around that cloud, you can, yep, there, see? But, but they, don't have, they don't have smartphones, so they can't be like, ah, oh, I got it, I got it, uploading. Like, they can't do that, but they are staring, they're lost, and angels show up, and they're like, why are you staring? Well, most of us would probably be like, I've never seen a guy fly before, <laughs> like, this is new, okay? But they're making a greater point here you're getting lost already. You're getting off. It's not up there. He's not, it's not going to be like it was. We are the same way. We get preoccupied with a lot of things that don't matter. They're waiting for the end. And they're just staring off into space. Our preoccupation with the end of all things or ignoring it has the same results. We get preoccupied with the end. It's the end. It's the end. And what are we going to do? The mark is here. The beast is happening. I I literally just sent out a link to a few friends the other day. I, I saw a clip about in China they're using AI with children in their learning daily. They have a band strapped to their heads and a robot in the room scanning their faces all and it, it's experimental right now, but they're seeing how much are they paying attention and tracking how well they're doing and reading their brainwaves. That is a terrifying proposition. I don't like that. I know tech giant, Elon Musk, brilliant man, is saying AI is dangerous, we're in trouble. If you don't think we're in the end, I don't know what to tell you. What I would tell you is, well, <laughs> oh, there we go. Hi, see, see, Thank you. Uh, she's got a flag from Israel. I love it. You can bring it up. Set it up this morning. Thank you. Uh, look at that. God provides illustrations when I don't have them. <laughs> yeah, come on. You can bring it over. Yeah, we'll set it up. I don't, if you can figure out a spot to put it, I don't know where we can put it. Um, when the end is among you, what do you do? What I would first say is you've got to assess the game. If you're like, oh, I don't think it's the end, I don't blah, 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 I don't, what I would say is, first of all, if you believe the Bible, which if you're here today, you probably do, or you're checking things out. If you're just checking things out, relax, you don't have to take this. But if you're a Christian and you believe the Bible, Jesus basically started the second half of the game, okay? The Old Testament was the first and second quarter. We're, then there's the third, I believe we're in the fourth quarter, Where are we in that summer? You're like, worth the two-minute warning? It's hell happening right now. I can't believe it. I I chopped off my hand just not to get the mark. Like, and I would say, stop. (laughs) You're preoccupied with the end to to a degree that's not healthy. You know it's funny how many all the people who are terrified are all the ones who are like, but I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. (laughs) You're overcompensating. Some people do that like around Halloween. Uh, demons, but I'm not afraid. <laughs> You're kind of afraid. <laughs> you know, I love you. Take, take a deep breath. Hold on, God's God. It's going to be OK. It's hard. I, I understand we all don't like it. I don't like the way things are, but God is God. we got to stop staring up. We keep our eyes like we're, we keep our eyes peeled. But what we don't do is stare. Staring is bad, right? Staring is offensive. Staring at the end of all things. Like, uh, you, ever, you ever been the person who stares? Some people are like big stare people. Like just, and your mind just begins to wander. Oh, It's going to end. All the things are happening right now. They fired Tucker Carlson. Can you believe it? And some of you are like, they fired Tucker Carlson. Can you believe it? <laughs> Whatever, like, stop. None of this is the answer. None of this is, is, is the hope. None of this is, is redemptive. Stop staring at the end. But also don't be the person who's constantly staring at culture. Constantly Staring at, you know, if we just adapt ourselves a little bit more, if we just apologize a little more, if we just do this a little bit more, then, you know, a church I love uh, recently uh, that I've, I've followed and respected had one of their staff members at one of those kids' drag shows and got like a lap dance from a transsexual, a staff member of a well-known seeker-friendly church in the South. And they honestly think nothing's wrong with it. Why? Because they've stared at culture so long, they don't know what's going on. You ever, you ever stared and you're just like, uh, until somebody's like, hey, hey, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, junior high math class, and you're like, uh. I was like that in junior high math. I was so good at math. And then one day they gave me this. I never had to pay attention. I could just do all of it. Long division, multiplication. One day they gave me the sheet, and I was like, why are there letters in front of these numbers? You know, I just taught it. Don't you remember? Oh, yeah. (laughs) You want to know why? Because I was doing this. Uh, When school ends. Like, that's all I was thinking about. Everything after that. Algebra's from hell. But, (laughs) okay, but everything after that. Like, and then, you know, but I had to snap out of it, and I had to learn it. Some people like, you got to snap out of this culture thing. We adapt to culture as much as we can. We don't adopt it. We bring our message to Jesus to the culture as much as we can, but if they reject it, it's on them, not us. There's been a mentality in church like, well, you'd be full if you... No, people don't want to know they're sinners who need a Savior, and they're going to hell. It sucks. It's not a great truth, but it is true. But it is a great truth when you say yes to it, because you're saved from hell but even better you know Jesus just a side note hell was never intended for people and you're like why would a loving God send people to hell? A loving God wouldn't an evil people would willingly go though side note alright moving back so what happens is we become overoccupied with the end and we become distracted from our mission. But you don't have to. It gets better though, right? You don't have to stare because you have a mission. They're standing there like, where'd he go? What's going to happen now? And the angels are like, hey, hey, down here. Hey, what are you doing? You have a mission. You have a purpose. Everybody in here has a purpose and that purpose is the kingdom of God being accomplished and advanced on earth your purpose is not where you go to school it's not how many kids you have although that can be part of it your purpose is not is not uh, the exact person you marry it's not everywhere the exact place that you live at the right time your purpose is Jesus and his kingdom in everything you say and do. It's him. He is your purpose. And advancing his kingdom. Matthew eight, uh, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Can you somebody, Jesse, can you do me a favor? In that closet, the ball closet right there, if it's open, go grab me a ball of some kind, quickly. All right, so, so Jesus says, I've been given all the authority. I overcame death, hell, and the grave. I overcame sin. We killed it on the cross. I became sin. They don't know that fully yet. Paul would even unpack that later. But I overcame all of this. I'm alive, and here's what I'm telling you. Okay? In this moment, you got it? Thank you so much. Perfect game ball. Pink, a nice small pink ball. Great. (laughs) We're going to pretend for a second this is the game ball. And the game is on the line. And the QB has it and he's like, hey, I got this. overcame it all. Death, hell, and the grave. All authority's been given to me. You run the play. You know what I would do? this is a horrible idea. <laughs> no, you, you run the play. I'm, I'm not fast or smart or good. You are. And Jesus is like, no, I got this and here's your purpose. You go. You run the play. Your purpose is to advance Jesus in the kingdom. I used to tell my youth groups this back when I was a youth pastor. Did that ever happen? Yeah, it's back when we rode dinosaurs and me and Adam hung out, all right, but I would tell him, like, I, I can't grow this youth group, I can't go into high schools, I can't, they won't let you do that, truth is, I can't go to your place of work, I, I mean, I could maybe here and there, but I can't hang out with your family, I can't talk with them, to advance the kingdom of God, to see God move in a region, doesn't depend on a pastor, and the moment that it does it falls with the pastor yeah. the kingdom isn't man-dependent it, and it's not church-dependent either but the Lord is saying to his church the purpose is we go and we tell him we make him known I want you to think don't say it out loud but who's not here today that you're like man I wish they were here Okay. What are you going to do about it? Make a call. Knock on the door. Show up at their house. Text them. We have no excuse not to reach out to anybody anymore. You know, years ago we had excuses. Now we got nothing. I forgot to call them. We all have the mark of the beast just hanging out with us all day long. I'm kidding. <laughs> we, it's not that. If it is, we're really in trouble. Um, <laughs> Go and make disciples. And it's better than that. Notice what it didn't say. It doesn't make converts. It doesn't make attendees. Make disciples. What are disciples? Students, followers, people who are like, Jesus, I'm with you. What Peter, well, we talked about Peter at the beginning. I'm with you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to go with you. This is our mission. And I will say, look, we are in the in between. We're in the moment of the then and not yet, where the kingdom is here and yet not fully come. Jesus said the kingdom's here, but it's also not here fully yet, because he didn't come back. So we're in like the waiting room. And in that place, we're in like this battle. It's almost like the war has been declared over, but all the enemies aren't driven out yet. It's in that in-between space, we're there. It's a tough time. And the truth is, the days are dark. What, yesterday, another mass shooting, Texas. We all saw it, right? If you didn't, nine dead, mass shooting in a mall in Texas, horrific. And I don't know, everybody's, you know, half of everybody's responses. it's because we take the guns away, right? Because they shoot themselves, right? No. In the 1950s and 60s, kids would take their, their shotguns to school or their rifles, put them in their locker, go to class all day, and come home because they went hunting before or after school. And nobody said anything about it. Nobody cared. Why? What's the difference? Evil is on the rise. These are dark days. I would tell you, yeah, things are coming to an end. As far as culture, now spiritually and with Jesus, it gets better, Better, it gets better though. But with the world, it's always going to get worse. As much as it's going to get better with Jesus, for the world and for darkness, it will get worse. You just need to understand that. If you're prepared for it, it's so much easier. You need to realize, like is anybody looking around right now and thinking, a lot of harmony in the world right now. It's just neat how we're all getting along. It's kind of funny how the 60s almost began this movement that we're feeling the effects of today, where it was all about love and peace, and yet it was a false love and a false peace. And it brought just the opposite it didn't help us, it divided us, it hurt us. And we're still there, and we're at, the, we're at the end of it. Right now, our culture is split down the middle on whether you can mutilate children in the name of some kind of weird equality. How does that happen? Darkness on the rise, because we're in the fourth quarter. But we're also in a time where we are more empowered than ever to preach the gospel. We are set up for this moment. Now, there's some mistakes with the end time. Some people think we can accelerate Jesus' coming. In 1988, there was a book called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture is in 1988. (laughs) Man, we're in trouble. (laughs) We all missed it. Every one of us. None of us were taken. Some of us weren't even born. (laughs) Right? Or that guy was really wrong. But it was a bestseller. Man, look at that. No, no, not even good graphics, you know. Like in the 80s, oh, the church had it made. <laughs> I remember growing up in the church in the 80s. We were lame, but it was full. <laughs> you know. Well, now there's kind of a new take on some of this stuff, and it's not altogether bad. Some of it's even good. The seven mountain prophecy. How many people ever heard of this? Well, it's not an entirely bad idea. The idea is there are seven mountains, and I don't remember it all. It's like um, education, the arts, governments, and then like military armed services. And the idea is Christians in places of leadership there to cause influence. There's nothing wrong with that idea. All pro that idea. The downside of that idea is some believe that's when Jesus will return, is if and when we do these things. Well, that's where I would say, hold on, pause. Can we accelerate the return of Jesus Christ? That's like saying, I'm the watchmaker, here's the watch. And if we as people in the watch are like, come on, quicker, 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 15. Jesus, you coming yet? 16. As hands, like we're trying to move the clock faster. And the watchmaker's like, I'm... I'm going to step into this when it's time, when it's my time. Thank God we're on his time and not ours. Now, it's our job to go. It's our job to advance. There's nothing wrong with the idea of Christians being an influence in government. I want Christians leading education, government. When somebody says, oh, so you want a Christian nation? I'm always like, yeah, don't you? (laughs) Absolutely. That's Christian nationalism. You call it whatever you want. I want Jesus in charge. (laughs) No, it has nothing to do with being white. I don't care who, what color they are. I want Jesus in charge. I'm pro that. But he's going to come back when it's his time. And I can get lost if I'm always like, if I just do this, then he's coming back. And if we're doing this, then it's coming back. Well, if the church would stop doing this or that, Jesus is going to ha- come when he's coming. The it gets better though moment is you are appointed to this moment. The book of Esther has this great verse, 414. Send them, I, I forgot to put it in my notes. Somebody want to pull it up for me? Esther 414. If you got it, pull it up and just read it out loud for me. It's all right. Go ahead. If you get to it, read it. Esther 414. Nobody brought their bibles today? Thank you, Chase. Go for it. this Esther ends up being the queen of the people along with several numerous other wives but to a pagan king And one of the eunuchs who she knows finds out they're going to slaughter our people. And you have a voice before the king and you might be appointed for such a time as this. Now look, we're not all appointed as the queen before the king. No, it's not that. But there is a greater truth to the whole body of Christ that says if you're born and you're in this moment, this is the anti-suicide note from God to us. If you're alive, you're here for a reason and a point for this moment. And not only that, you have a purpose and a point to this moment. You are appointed. You have a point to your existence. You're like, I don't even know what it is. That's okay. He does. And he'll tell you. And some of you are like, well, you know, Pastor Brian, you know what your mission is. You know what your point is. That's that I know some of it, but I don't know all of it. There's a lot on the other side of eternity I'm going to be like, I didn't understand why you did that, God. Oh, now I get it. Some of you, you don't know, but you're appointed for this moment. You're here for this moment. You're like, Pastor Brian, you don't understand the suffering and the pain and the trials. I don't, but I know you're here for this moment. Right? Here for it. We're supposed to be here. For something. For something. I don't know all the reasons, because I'm not God. But you were appointed here and now. My wife, she loves Little House on the Prairie, loves it. I have seen the whole series on TV more than once. As a child, I vowed to never watch that show. Between my mom and my wife, I've seen the Waltons and Little House on the Prairie all the way through. And my wife will say, oh, I wish I lived in that time. I was, uh, and here and there, like, when she needs me to kill a bug, I'm like, I'm not so sure you wanted to live then. <laughs> but, but I get it. Like, it was simpler. It was smaller. It was slower. I, I'm with you. That's attractive, right? And there's people moving out of state and things like that to just get up. And I, I don't blame them. I get it. But at the same time, you're appointed for this moment. And she knows that. I'm not picking on her. She knows. I understand. I empathize. I sympathize. I want to go back to like 1999 when I was in really good health. The clothes were far more comfortable. Um, and the music was so much better. <laughs> I want to go back to that moment where my metabolism rocked, you know? And things were simpler. And people were able to listen to the gospel and they didn't get so hostile. But that's not the moment I'm in anymore. But I am appointed to this moment. And so are you. With all your ailments, you're appointed. With all your struggles, you're appointed. With all your weaknesses, you are in this moment. Here's something even crazier. The Apostle Paul. Luke the Apostle. John. They're not alive right now because they weren't appointed at this moment. But you are. That should tell you something. Now, look, you're probably not making it in the Bible. It's kind of closed. That book is finished. And I'm glad because I feel like, what if I was the mistake in the Bible, you know? Poor Peter. <laughs> <laughs> but you're here now because you're appointed. now, to do something. And when it gets too heavy and it seems like it's just too much, I feel often the weight of what's happening around us. I don't know, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're pretty lighthearted. Maybe you're like, just stop watching the news, Pastor Brian. And I'm, I'm just not that way. God made me as somebody who wants to know what's going on and be effective towards it. However, I can be. That's who I am. Okay. Now, not everybody is that way, and that's okay. God made you that way. I remember being at Bible college and just feeling like I was willing to God. I'll go to the ends of the earth, and the Lord's like, "I want you in this this country right here." And there was a few times I'm like, "That's a little disappointing." You know, I think other nations are better a lot of times than we are, and they are in some things for sure. God said, "I want you here." And man, I look around, I just watch. I watch America just falling apart. I watch a lot of these things, the world, right? We were having this conversation. I was having this conversation with a friend. I picked up my oldest from Dallas who's back for the summer. And I was staying, uh, so I was in Dallas this week and sitting with a friend of mine. And we were talking about, we were just talking about the world and what's happening. And, and they're Christians, and we, I, I met them as their youth pastor in Wisconsin and and, uh, but he lives in Dallas now, and, and he's a professor of music at, at, at DBU, and, and he's just a lifelong friend, dear friend. We're just talking about events in the world, and you know, they have such a different viewpoint than the rest of us, uh, because they're dealing with Christians who are like, you know, Trump is the new Jesus, and they're like, yeah, no, he's not, you know, and man, you got a low bar for Jesus. <laughs> um, raise it. And then and then and, and yet at the same time they also see the fallout of the other side of, of this insane liberal leftism and like God, what do we do? You know, the Bible college I went to that I love dearly is kind of falling apart. It's just not what it once was. But the truth is that's true everywhere. Church attendance is down like to like forty some percent or less. You know, 15% of churches in America closed post COVID. Did you know that? That's a lot. Why? When it gets too heavy and it's too much and it's overwhelming, you know, I don't know what to do. Here's what you do. We remember it gets better, though, because he's coming back for you. He's coming back for us. We have this tendency, we talk more about the apocalypse in Revelation than the return of Jesus. Have you noticed that? We talk more about the beast, the Antichrist, how bad it's going to get, all these things, than we do about, he's coming back for me. Why? Well, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. Fear sells it gets us more motivated. Fear and guilt are great motivators to get things started, but they don't last. Love and hope aren't great initial motivators, but they're motivations that last over time. It's why I won't lead that way. There are a lot of pastors, unfortunately, in churches who lead out of fear, guilt, and shame. I'm just not going to do it. You guys can come up. If you're like, I disagree with you on this stuff, Pastor Brian. Okay, I love you. Let the Lord reveal it to you. I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Word. I'm trying to deliver the Word as best I can, but I'm not Him. What I can tell you is there's hope. And that hope is that He is coming back. So I'm not staring at the skies. But I'm watching my peripherals. Matter of fact, the only... The only thing that gets me discouraged about his return is saying, Lord, I want to be ready. I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm not the man I would like to be when you come back. But I want to get there. I know I'm not going to attain all the stuff. I don't care about that. But I want to be close. I want to know my arm is wrapped around yours the day you come riding through that sky. And my gaze is set on you. Not at the sky, but on you. I want my heart to be ready. If you find me in suffering when you return, may you find me in suffering
0: clinging
1: to your robe. Advancing your kingdom, telling somebody about you. You know, I, I'm, I'm proud of all my kids by a long shot. Every one of them. And I brag on him a lot. Um, Forgive me. Just know your pastor's human, okay? Yesterday I took, uh, once or twice a week, I'll always take one of my kids to the gym with me, and I took Nathan with me yesterday. I don't think there's a time we ever go to Planet Fitness that somebody is not going to hear about Jesus. I wear the Christian T-shirt. They can read mine. Get out of my way. I'm going to work out. (laughs) You know? But Nathan's, God bless him. He's holier than me. He's going to take the time. Sure enough, and he talked to me about it today, but the guy he was talking to was dealing with demonic stuff. Well, I won't get into it, but I mean, it's very obviously demonic stuff. I don't call everything demons, just so you know. And if we could all get just a little more mindful like that, how many of us post and think, well, that should change the world. And we're almost always wrong. Not always, but mostly. How many of us took some time in our week to say, hey man, can I pray with you? I saw a dear friend this week who I love a lot. I just prayed over him and over my friends. Sometimes it's all I've got. I can't give you the money you need. I I can't heal you. I can't drive you if you're over there all the time. But you know what I can do is believe God with you. Jesse didn't have it. And he just said, all right, Lord, just do it. If it's you, you you just got to do it. And that's what a godly people do. That's how we advance the kingdom. There's a song I love from the 90s, Christian music, none of you have ever heard. And it sings, I want to give you everything, but I've got nothing of my own at all. (laughs) If I've got nothing, what have I got to lose that that is the story of the believer who advances the kingdom it's the widow's might it's the boy with the bread and the fish actually that is one good thing from that teaching that the other day is he showed like the crackers of the fish and the loaves the loaves weren't loaves of bread it was like a cracker like that five crackers he had five crackers and fish like this Lord multiplies it for a crowd. That's why the disciples were deceived. I could easily just be like, I didn't see everybody get fed, I just kept pulling out of the Ritz back.
0: I don't know,
1: I get it. How many of us right now are in this moment are off our purpose? How many of us in this moment are off our appointment? You're appointed, but you're not working in it. You have a purpose you're not living in it. You're not ready for him to come back. You're like, if Jesus came back now, I might go home, but I'd be embarrassed. You don't have to be, it doesn't got to be that way. Proverbs says this though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. You know what I love best about that verse? Because he calls the guy who fell seven times righteous. You know, at number three, I'd be like sinner going to hell. (laughs) Jesus doesn't do that. He just says, "Get up. Let's keep going. Let's let's advance it. Let's move this ball down the field. Let's keep going. You are appointed. You have a purpose." We are to be about that business to be ready for when He comes back. And man, that'll be a great day. Sometimes I don't want to think about it because I'm afraid of it. Because I'm human. Oh man, have you ever thought about the day you hear that sound and He tears through the clouds coming back?